Welcome to Radwell's Automation Nation. Adjust the volume or put your favorite earbuds in and let's explore the manufacturing and automation industry together. I promise you if you love the industry or just cool technology, you will love our podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 11 of Radwell Automation Nation. In this episode, Rob and I are discussing five common leadership styles. There are many types of leadership styles, but for the purposes of today's discussion, we're going to focus on five different styles of leadership. Let's start with defining leadership style. Leadership style is a leader's method of providing direction, implementing plans, motivating people, and executing their role. Being a good leader involves the ability to understand others. Most leaders have three common qualities regardless of their style of leadership. Compassion. The most effective leaders have compassion for others. Emotional intelligence. If you're able to develop your EQ, you can be very effective in leading people regardless of your leadership style. Emotionally intelligent people are socially aware and can understand dynamics between people very well, even through nonverbal cues. And lastly is vulnerability. It takes a strong leader to admit that they are not infallible. Rob, I know you're going to have some opinions on the leadership styles we're taking a look at today. I'm looking forward to having this discussion. Okay, then let's talk about the first type of leadership style on our list, transformational leadership. Leaders who serve as role models to inspire others are transformational leaders. This leadership style involves improving the morale and job performance of team members by connecting with their sense of identity and the collective identity of the organization. A transformative leader is a visionary who inspires others and encourages critical thinking and innovation. Examples of transformational leaders include politicians like Winston Churchill and business visionaries like Steve Jobs. I have not worked with a transformational leader. I mean, not a full transformation. Let me clarify. A transformational leader like a Steve Jobs, I have not had the opportunity to work with. However, I have worked with people who had transformational leadership as a piece of their style. And I think that, Rob, you could probably say the same. You're thinking of who I'm thinking of. Yeah, you could say the same. There's not a leader that I've worked for that fits that description to a whole. Right. I mean, Steve Jobs was a once in a generation type of leader, but you know, what Brian Radwell has accomplished, he has pieces of a transformational leadership style in his arsenal of leadership styles, whether he realizes it or not. That's definitely something that he has, and I know that that's what you would would definitely agree with. What do you think the I mean, I think transformational leaders have like that entrepreneurial spirit that never goes away, no matter how big of a company they're working in. Yeah, I agree with that. No, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I think everyone around them benefits in one way or another. I think it opens your ability to think about a project, prepare for a project, prepare for life based on those experiences. Yes. And you'd think with no restrictions, like whereas some leaders create parameters, a transformational leader removes parameters so that you can really broaden your way of thinking. I think that's a big positive to be able to think that way. Well, and you can cut this out if, if you don't like the answer, but you know, you think <laughs> it, it, it applies to business, it applies to life, it applies to a little bit of everything. I think of uh, a Timothy Leary, right? And the acid test back in the day. Um, that was the whole idea of using this substance to open your mind to experiencing a life and experiences completely different, therefore, ultimately allowing you to see the world differently. Yes. Now, there is a downside to working with transformational leaders, at least a downside that I could potentially see. And it's funny you brought up Timothy Leary because 
sometimes people might view a transformational leadership style as cultish, almost like if you aren't inspired by that person or you don't fit in with that way of thinking, you don't belong. Interesting point. I also think that people that prefer parameters and guidance, working in an environment where you're told to think and without restrictions or rules or guidance, some personality types might struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay. The next style of leadership on our list is participatory leadership. Leaders who employ this hands-on style seek to bring a more democratic approach to management rather than a traditional top-down approach. This style views employees as stakeholders in the organization and believes employees are therefore entitled to their own voice. Participatory leaders empower employees who will be most affected by certain decisions to have participation and or decision-making capabilities in addressing those issues. So what's a positive aspect to working with this type of leader, Rob? What do you think? All-in approach, I guess. Inclusion in the, in, in the vision, the direction, and, and the, the ultimate goal. Definitely. Buy-in for what affects you. I mean, being able to, to feel more like a team member because you're allowed to be involved in what you have a vested interest in. For sure, yeah. Now, let's talk about maybe um, the types of employees that would respond well to empowerment. I think people who maybe want to want to participate in decision-making and want to be a part of whatever affects them. So if they're involved in the outcome, if the outcome affects them, they want to be involved in the um, process to get to that outcome. Yeah, I think it, there's, there's a level of passion that those types of employees have within. And that sense of empowerment allows that sense of passion to, to be used to, to its max benefit, I, in a sense. I think it also goes back to personality types. And there's the leader personality and the follower personality. And neither one is bad or good. It's just if you have the leader personality, you will, I think, respond very well to this type of leadership. But if you have a personality type where you prefer to be given direction and you want the leader to lead and you want to just do whatever it is that you do without having that say, then it might you might not respond well to this type of leadership style. Everyone's not a leader, you know. That's not a bad thing. Every band needs a uh, a front man and a bass player. <laughs> what about what do you mean about the bass player? I get the front. But, <laughs> I get the front hey, man. <laughs> my father is a lifelong bass player, but ah. he's, he's not the one that's going to step up to the mic and, and start dancing around. Well, that's true. And the the guy up at the well, the guy I should say, the person at the front at the microphone may not be a good bass player. Right. Right. I mean, I guess you can sing a cappella, though. <laughs> you can sing a cappella, but somebody's got to sit back in the cut and just keep the groove. <laughs> So your dad was a lifelong bass player. We'll have to talk lifelong about that another player. episode. I want I want to yeah. have this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward on our list, the next leadership style is value-based leadership. Value-based leaders guide their teams by encouraging others to act in line with the organization's shared core values. These types of leaders don't focus just on metrics. Instead, values-based leadership drives positive change by emphasizing the mission and purpose of an organization. This means having a leader who walks the walk and upholds the founding principles of the organization. This type of leader is driven by core values, which are modeled and aligned with company value. Okay, so the first thing that stands out for me is it's a positive for employees to work for this type of leadership style if the organization has a very clear-cut mission and a clear-cut purpose. Sure. 
And I say that, you know, because if they don't, if if they do have a clear-cut purpose, if the company has a clear-cut purpose, you feel as if your leader understands and works in line with that those goals, and then you're all working, you're all basically rowing the same ship, the same boat. Yeah, that's, that's an important piece to this. Uh, I want to know that the person I work for or, or the leader of my organization is willing to get their hands dirty and do whatever it takes at the end of the day and can plug in where, wherever needed and is willing to fight that fight along alongside me. Yes, that's important too, definitely. The other thing is the focus not being on numbers but accomplishing a mission. That's not to say that the numbers aren't important, but the mission is the most important. It's like if you focus on managing numbers, you will achieve decent numbers and possibly improve your numbers. However, if you focus on managing people, the numbers will skyrocket because the people will will buy into whatever the vision is that you're setting. Sure. It's two different well, things. Like you know? the military, right? So the military, their teams are formed to go out and perform a mission, um, not, not, not gain a body count. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And feeling part of a bigger purpose. I mean, like no one wants to talk about the casualties along the way. You want to talk about what you're going to achieve. The casualties are there. Whether we want to discuss them or not, they will be a part of the equation. But the focus is on the accomplishment of the greater purpose. Yes. Interesting. Do you see any negatives with that type of leadership style? I see one glaring negative. It's if the organization does not have a clear-cut mission and purpose. And... It sounds simplistic, but so many organizations don't. True. I mean, that's the reason for a mission statement. Right. And it's just amazing to me in this day and age that so many, I mean, I'm not talking about small businesses that are creating their brand identity and and growing into their brand. I'm speaking of large organizations that don't really think ahead of what the purpose is. Yes, we sell widgets, but why do we sell widgets? Right. Because people don't buy just what you sell. They buy why you sell it. So to me, that's just a basic brand necessity, if you will. Next up is situational leadership. This is a framework for leaders to match their behaviors to the performance needs of those they are working to influence. Situational leaders must have the ability to diagnose an individual's performance readiness to complete a specific task, adapt leader behavior based on the diagnosis, communicate an influence approach in a manner that followers can both understand and accept, and advance by making the move towards higher performance. Do you think this is a difficult style to adapt as a leader? It seems like it would be to me. I have to absorb this for a minute. While you're absorbing, I want to make, make a note of one important factor here, and that's the you have to be emotionally intelligent and very in tune to people and psychologically aware to be successful with this type of leadership style. You know, great communication is a given, but you also have to be able to adjust around people. And, you know, people being the most important commodity in any business, you have to take that commodity and be able to adjust because people is a, an, a changeable commodity. It's constantly changing. You know, as an Eagles fan, I, I have a tough time with emotional intelligence because uh, Jeffrey Lurie used it at, at a press conference after firing Chip Kelly. So I oh, always go back to that moment in time. So terrible. I apologize with the Eagles uh, reference. How did he use that? Something along the lines of the next coach that we hire has to have emotional intelligence. Apparently, 
he didn't connect with the with the players and and the egos. That sounds like using a catchphrase to get people to buy into what you're saying. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to ignore that and um, we're going to discuss yeah. instead. <laughs> no, but really, let's talk about it. I mean, people is your your changing commodity. It's the commodity you always need. It's the most important commodity in your whatever business you have. But it's constantly different. No two people are alike. And even one person could be different from moment to moment. So having to manage that type of a commodity and do it in a way that focuses on the awareness of the person and being tuned into what that person needs and wants in order to get them to perform a certain way, that takes some skill. It takes some skill. It takes some constant development, looking internally. It's probably the most difficult part of being a leader is, is dealing with all of the personalities, getting the most out of, of all of them to ultimately complete that mission. Yeah. The last style of leadership we will be discussing is servant leadership. Servant leaders enrich the lives of others by focusing on building better organizations and ultimately creating a world that is more caring and equitable. First coined by Robert K. Greenleaf, the term servant leader refers to a person who makes a conscious effort to aspire to lead in a way that places other people's needs as their highest priority. The servant leader dedicates himself or herself to the growth and well-being of people in the community. Instead of focusing on accumulating power, this leader shares power and helps others perform as highly as possible. Julie, have you ever worked with a servant style leader? You know, I don't think I have personally. I mean, I'm sure that some of the leaders I've worked for have had pieces of this at moments in time, but I don't think that I've had someone who was steadily this type of style ever be my direct supervisor. It's interesting you say that because as as we're reading through this and, and trying to, to, to apply it to, you know, people that we've worked with in the past, it's, it's almost like a hodgepodge of a little bit of everything here that uh, I, I can't put one in each one of these categories. And that's true of any of the leadership styles. I don't think any one person has just one style. And that's the key to knowing about leadership styles is being able to blend what works for you. Sure. With this leadership style, um, I think it takes a very selfless person. It also takes a person who's very secure, but also able to be vulnerable to their employees. And that's a special kind of person. Yeah, I agree with that. I also don't think all employees would like this type of style. I know for me personally, I don't think this type of style would work well for me. I don't think working for someone who is this type of leader would bring out my best efforts and um, potential. I think I need someone who's a little bit less selfless and vulnerable and a little bit more structured, but not. I think, you know, the first style for me is probably the most effective at this stage of my career. There were times, you know, varying throughout the years where other styles I might have responded better to. But I think at this stage and at my experience level now, the, um, the first style was the one that's most effective for me. I can see how some people would view this type of leadership style as not able to develop certain types of personalities effectively. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting take. I, I think, and you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm trying to think what was the most effective style, you know, for me. Can I answer that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. No, I'm just please. kidding. I, I honestly think the transformational leadership style would probably be the best one for you as well. I think that as much as we like direction and we like to have some parameters, 
you're an out-of-the-box thinker. I'm an out-of-the-box thinker. We don't need someone to hold our hand to get us to move forward with results. We have a plan. We come in the door ready to execute a plan we've already got set up. Those are the types of people that I think would feel restricted by a more top-down style or um, a style that says, you know, I'm here for you. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you're here for me. Let me get to work. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I look at it. Uh, You know, the participatory style, we want to know what you think. That's great. I don't have time to tell you what I think, though, because I'm too busy thinking of the next five things that I have to envision for my plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Thank you for answering that for me. And I think you're spot on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while, you know. (laughs) It's been a minute since I've been managing people. (laughs) As a leader, how do you choose the right leadership style for you? Being a good leader means being able to pivot and adjust. Agility is key. Many people practice different leadership styles in different situations, depending on who is being led and what is happening within an organization at any given moment. Being a good leader also means knowing who you are as a person. Values, what your strengths are, what your limitations are, all these things are factors in getting to know yourself as a leader and a person. Basically, as a leader, you should be building your personal brand. In order to lead others, we must first be able to lead ourselves. If you want to hear more about our thoughts on what makes a good leader, Rob and I discussed that exact topic in Episode 3 of this podcast. If you like this podcast, we'd love to have you leave us a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for joining us for episode 11 of Radwell Automation Nation. Until next time. To learn more about Radwell, visit radwell.com or connect with us on social media. To contact us about this podcast, email automationnation at radwell.com. Thanks for joining us.